All right. I'm Rachel. This is Josh. Hi, Josh. Nice to Hi. meet you. Hi. Thank you Me for too. making time today. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up on a farm. I grew up in Nowata, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was a pastor and our hobby, we raised Texas Longhorns. So we raised Texas Longhorns and we showed them. So that was kind of like our family vacations. We went to cattle shows and things like that. Um, then when I was 13, we moved to Sepulpa. I moved down the street from Rachel, actually. And we got rid of all of our animals. Uh, we became city people. So we, we got out of it, but it, it is, it's who I was growing up. It's kind of who defined me. Most of my stories of childhood, most of, most of my life lessons revolved around farming and ranching. So when we got married, um, we actually lived in an apartment over our business. So we literally didn't have a blade of grass in our ownership. So we were as far away from farming and ranching as you can get. Um, but as we started having kids, we now have three sons. We knew that we wanted to get back to this lifestyle because of the lessons that we could learn, because of the freedom, because of the ability to explore, all of those things. So we have now been on our property for six years, um, and we have slowly moved into ranching. We've had a couple of animals here and there. And then about this time last year in March, our business was shut down completely. We have a dance studio and a gymnastics gym and an event center. All three of those businesses were completely shut down with COVID. Wow. So uh, to, to remain sane, we started building and growing our farm. So I built fences, Rachel researched animals. And when the smoke cleared, our business opened back up. But now we also have a fully functioning <laughs> farm. <laughs> so now we get to do both. Wow. <laughs> Oh when everyone else was simplifying, we uh, made everything more difficult. Yes. <laughs> yes, but now you guys have, like, the best of both worlds, and yeah. so that's exciting. And now two legs to stand on, hopefully, going forward. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, diversifying for sure. Definitely. So how long have you guys had your businesses? 16 years. Wow. That's we... a long time. We got married. We were both kind of in corporate worlds. She was in public relations. I was a graphic designer. And that lasted about nine months. And we decided to move and start our own business. Um, so we've always been kind of eccentric. Um, but it was a great decision. We moved back to Rachel's hometown. Um, so the owning a business in a small town in your hometown has its advantages. So we've had 16 great years and one kind of crazy year this year, <laughs> but we're hoping for a lot more. Hopefully we can turn it over, you know, to our kids someday. That's a really exciting. Well, you guys kind of sound a lot similar to my husband and I, um, just in the yeah. sense of like owning businesses and then transitioning and trying to figure things out mm -hmm. as things get. Yeah. Altered. You guys definitely have a lot going on too. Yeah. You're very diverse as well. And, uh, I've listened to some of your podcasts. So I like, uh, I relate that your husband's like the visionary that's kind of like, casting what it can be because um i'm definitely more of like checklist you know like let's put a plan to paper but um but he can definitely see something that is not already there yeah i think that just makes a great partnership and with definitely with farming and ranching owning a business in general i think it's really mm -hmm. important that you guys have each other and can definitely mellow each other out or just accentuate mm -hmm. the different parts of your relationship so that's excellent you guys have a huge social media presence. Can you tell us where we can follow you? 
Well, I'm kind of uh, do the Instagram stuff. Like we tr we keep our Instagram and Facebook a little more different differentiated because I like what Facebook has as far as we're groups of um, South Down sheep owners. We're groups with miniature Harlequin owners, um, and we kind of feed more of our YouTube stuff through Facebook, but then Instagram's a completely different world. So um, we go about it, you know, and it's more community. I feel like it's not just about being the separate clubs and talking about your animals. It's just kind of more about getting to know other accounts, people that inspire you. Um, that's where I go for a lot of inspiration. Uh, and then we do YouTube, Josh um, is, primary on the YouTube account and that kind of started at last spring also and it's just a really good vehicle of communication for us because we do rare breeds we have ibex for the goats and they're mountain goats and we have um like i mentioned harlequins and baby doll sheep so it's very unique and eccentric breeds that we are into and so that really helps give people a visual and explain uh, we've been able to sell some of the ibex through people that have watched the videos because when you're doing rare stuff you know you're going to have to drive a ways and even whenever we go out looking for where we want to buy something there's there's just not a lot of information before you go it's kind of go and see and decide if you're going to buy on the spot so the youtube channel has helped people get to know us and get to know our property and see our animals and feel more confident whenever they do come and actually make a purchase most of the things we're selling people don't know what they are <laughs> so um it's, it's nice for them to see it to see us interact with them to kind of know how they're going to fit into their property so they can actually see it and hear it. And so, yeah, I think it makes it a lot easier for us to turn around and cast that vision to somebody else. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And especially like in, in the, in the wild game world, like with our Ibex, we raise Nubian Ibex. Um, a lot of people just take them to auctions and sell them like through the sale barn. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not ideal in our world because obviously anytime you buy something from a sale barn, you can pick up, you know, parasites and external things like that. The other thing is our animals can jump an eight foot fence flat footed if they aren't gentle. So ours stay in a four foot fence and when they get out, they actually go under the fence. They don't know they can jump. Oh so when, when people see our animals that they're used to seeing jump over things and they're just chilled out, it's a really big selling point for us. Cause they're like, Oh wow. How do we, ha how do we, how do we make that happen? And the truth is you can't, you have to raise them into that environment. You mm -hmm. can't gentle them down They're They're crazy. <laughs> that's well, that's also makes it sense. Like we have cattle and when you have a cow that gets out all the time, they teach the other animals how to do that yeah. same thing. So um, definitely, it's what, a yeah. we had a puppy teach them to get under the fence, and we're like, um, "Our life's over because I've got like a salad garden right beside it, and it's they've it's been great. Like you know, I know they could literally flat footed just jump and eat my entire garden, but they don't know that, you know. And so we're like, oh, "Okay, great." So we have to move to the dog to a different pen, teach him bad tricks. <laughs> so why did you guys choose to go with such an exotic route when it comes to raising animals? It's just kind of who we are, <laughs> I guess is the easy answer. Um, but we've always been into strange things. So when we first started raising Texas Longhorns when I was a kid, they were very rare. Um, they and, and when you get into the rare breeds, it kind of adds a new element of adventure for mm -hmm. me. Um, so that's how we got in Longhorns. And then my dad is a pastor. 
So he started raising sheep and goats. And because of his Bible background, he wanted to raise things from the Middle East. So like he likes the idea of raising animals that Jesus might have interacted with, you know, in the Middle East area. So that's how he got into we raised Audads at one point which you cannot keep them in a fence. So we got out of that. Um, we've raised a couple different type of, of sheep. And then we settled on the Nubian Ibex just because they're they're almost majestic. They're just a really cool animal. Um, they're they're pretty marketable in, in our space. Um, so that's kind of how we got into that. But we just, we like the idea of having animals that have high value for the same amount of work. Um, there was a, there was a guy when we first moved to Sepulpa that raised Angus cattle and he always gave my dad a hard time. And he said, you know, Sam, he said, it takes the same amount of feed to feed that longhorn as it does to feed my prize Angus. And so that's kind of the way that we look at it is we have limited resources. We have limited space. So if we're going to take up space and, and resources of feeding that animal, we want them to be able to produce a higher return. So the more rare and exotic they are, we can sell them for more. So it's just a better return on our investment. And I'd say uh, me and my middle child were just not emotionally attached to the goats because they are just very, you know, athletic goats and, um, and they kind of came to us a little bit older. And so uh, when we were virtual schooling our youngest two at the beginning of the year, I was just, our middle one's the only one that's just not really connecting and going outside and just finding his passion. Our, our oldest one loves chickens. Go, I mean, you name it. He'll, he'll, he'll actually name it and claim it because he <laughs> loves it all. Um, it doesn't even matter what it is. And so with Kai, he's just very, um, he's a lot shyer and he's our little snuggler and he's just the sweetest, um, quietest one. And he, uh, we kind of fell in love with looking at baby doll sheep on Instagram, you know, uh, they're just giant teddy bears. And so, uh, we were kind of like, you know what, maybe this could be, you, you know, part of your schooling. Now that you have some extra hours at home, would you want to, uh, would you want to take care of this animal? And for him, it was more about one that he can go out and pet and love on and train and just get physically closer to right. and um, and feel that back from them. So he is so cerebral. It was really funny. We went to a couple ranches and like looked at them before, you know, so he would know what he was getting into. And mm -hmm. we just really walked down that path and tried to like do it the way he needed it to be done. And so sure enough, that's exactly what he wanted. So we found some and brought them home. And uh, we were just really loving them. They're so gentle. They don't try to get out of fences. They are super loving. I mean, you have Rupert. Like, they're just so, so cute, you know? And um, and it really makes us happy. I mean, it makes us happy. And so uh, we know that they are very hard to find, you know, yes. because we struggled looking for them. So that was something that kind of got Josh on board. Like, he's like, oh, hard to find? Okay, <laughs> let's raise that, you know? Yeah. So we get into that. And then in October, it was kind of late in the season, he was talking to a lady in Texas that had both baby dolls and Harlequins. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, tell me about the Harlequin thing. And um, they have an awesome story right now where the, the registry is open until they get to 500 AP and just the structure of breeding them up. And a lot of them begin with baby dolls. Yeah. So they're kind of the next step so if there's a stock tip on sheep it's that harlequins are the next thing <laughs> and um it's kind
kind of like a small club right now, but it's really something everyone's trying to like push and get a lot of people behind. And they're the spotted ones. Yeah. They're miniature. People love them. So we thought, okay, we'll, you know, get into that. And we brought home uh, two two girls and a boy. Mm-hmm. And the, the lady that um, sold us the use also gave us a weather because she wanted the ram to have a friend whenever he got separated. So yeah. we came home with four. And we didn't know, but at the time, uh, the ewes were bred. So we have had three babies. One of them had twins, and uh, the other one had a single. But we had them the worst time of weather for Oklahoma. So as you know, we had all that freezing and everything, and it has just been insane. But they're healthy, and I feel like we're on the other side of it. And we're loving the harlequins and the baby dolls. So that's how we got into the sheep and the goats. Yeah, <laughs> but it's my sheep is goats, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's perfect segue. So how do you guys choose to sell your animals or how do you get your information out there that you have something for sale? Because that's that's how you guys are primarily making your money off for your ranch, right? Yes. Yeah, we we do not sell products off of our animals. We only sell animals at this point. So, um, you know, we have we have silkies and showgirl chickens that we're trying to breed up to be able to sell those and then our Nubian Ibex and then our sheep. So what we're still doing at this point for ourselves is, is building our herd. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're trying to get our, our Ibex to a point where they have the correct horns, but they also have a sturdier build. Um, and with our sheep, we're trying to make sure that they're all spotted, but also small. So we are kind of selling everything that doesn't fit what we want long-term going forward is where we are. Right. Um, okay. Once we get a little bit down the road, with the ibex we will sell them um mostly as trophies so once they get to a three-year-old you know they'll have have the 36 inch horns and we'll sell those um but but at this point we're just selling things that we don't want to keep in our herd personally and so we're trying to sell them young that way people can adjust them to their farm as early as possible too Everything goes through social media for us. So all of our social media accounts are just Porter Valley Ranch at Porter Valley Ranch. Um, And we haven't had to advertise a lot yet. We have waiting lists for everything that we have. And so far, people have contacted us to get on those waiting lists. And we have way more opportunities to sell than we actually have animals to sell at this point, which is a good thing. Um, So hopefully within the next couple of years, you know, our numbers of offspring will start, you know, getting larger and we'll be able to sell more. And we're part of um, NASAR, which is the registry for the baby, baby doll Southdown sheep and part of um, the Harlequin registry, which there's only one. So they do some work too on their web pages, like listing all their breeders. And so that kind of helped us originally find the ones we wanted to buy because uh, there just aren't a lot in our state, but we can look at surrounding states and, and um, find several. So definitely the baby dolls are more available as far as more breeders, but then the Harlequins, because there's one other ranch in Oklahoma that sells Harlequins, but I don't think, I think nothing in like Arkansas, some surrounding states really don't have anything. Texas is a big miniature um, Harlequin breeding state and that's where we've gotten ours. But um it definitely is still on the beginning edge of, I would say, both of them. And if you look at a lot of times, we we know now that we want an RR, you know, baby doll ram, or we know we want a Generation C Harlequin. And that's that's where it gets really dicey, too, because not only are you looking for 
a sheep or, you know, of either breed, you're looking for a specific category in that breed. So those registries are good and helpful to go to find people. And so what type of advice would you have for someone who is just going to get started um, with any sort of animal? You can kind of choose one or just choosing land. Like how do, what, what kind of advice would you say? As far as animals, something that we have learned this year the hard way is make sure you start out with a quality product. Um, We tried to, I guess, cheap out on a couple of them. um, And we didn't go with somebody who we knew personally or wasn't extremely reputable. And it burned us. You know, we lost a couple animals. We ended up with a few that were like, we're not real sure that these are exactly what they were marketed as. Um, So especially on a small scale, it's always best to start out the right way. So do your research, make sure that the people you are getting it from are going to stand behind their product, know the heritage of where they come from, all of those things, because it's really hard to undo it once you have something on your property. Um, and it's a big investment. You know, if you if you get the right animals, it's an investment long term. So start the right way. Do your homework. Um, look at all of these people. It's never been easier than now to look at the animals that you're going to potentially buy um, and ask around on these Facebook groups to say, hey, have you guys ever done any work with these people? Um, what kind of animals do they produce? That kind of information is out there um, if you just do it. And then as far as land goes, um, Our land is probably the absolute worst piece of land that you could start what we're doing on. Um, But for us, we got the land for free. Honestly, we we bought the house and they valued the land because it was river bottom and it was rocky. They didn't give any value to the land. And with a couple months of hard work on, you know, a skid steer and a bulldozer, we were able to make that land usable. So don't look at land for what it is. Look at it for what it could be. And if you're not someone who is a visionary, then just ask. You know, there are people like us on YouTube and on Facebook and Instagram who would love to help each other out and go look at a piece of property and say, you could do this and it could turn into this. Um, I think people are more willing to help each other now than they really ever have been because we've all been so disconnected that we understand it. it does take you know, a village to be able to raise something worthwhile. Right. Well, that's perfect. That's some great advice, Josh. So how would you say, what are some tips for somebody who's wanting to get into the YouTube side of things? Because I think video is so powerful, certainly during um, everybody still being mostly at home and during quarantine type of items. So what kind of advice do you have if they're wanting to get started on a YouTube channel or what do you need to get started? As cliche as it sounds, I think you just have to do it. You just have to start. You just start filming things. Um, We have been on YouTube for a little over nine months, Mm -hmm. and it feels like a long time, but it really wasn't. Um, We should have started earlier. We should have started, you know, around this time last year and been three months ahead. But I was nervous. I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to artistic things, and I wanted things to be right. I wanted to have the right cameras and things like that. The truth is you can buy a holder for your iPhone and shoot a video and edit it on your phone and upload it to YouTube. And most people aren't going to know the difference. And if you're being honest, if you're being sincere and giving good information, people really don't care. 
Um, they don't care that it's shot with, you know, a thousand dollar camera. Um, they just want to connect with the person behind the screen. They want to connect with the person that's telling them things and they can see through, you know, some of the garbage pretty quick. Um, we tried to put out this polished videos and do all this stuff. And some of our best videos are us just being honest. You know, whenever my grandpa was sick or whenever one of our animals died or whenever our son Zeke got diagnosed with COVID and we were scared because we didn't know what was going to happen. Like those real life issues are what people connect with and what people, you know, come back to. Yeah. And so we're still learning, but we're about to cross 2000 subscribers on YouTube, which is awesome for us. And hopefully we can just keep growing and learning and, and telling our story and people will connect with it. Any advice for anybody who's looking to get started? Just whatever you're doing, give it, give it your all and be flexible. I think the main thing when it comes to owning a business or parenting or farming or ranching or anything is you can have the best plan on earth and then it can always get changed. So don't be afraid of change, you know, just, just adapt and be flexible and roll with the punches. And as long as you have a good team around you, which for us is our family and friends, then we can get through anything. If we can get through 2020, we can get through anything. <laughs> and uh, I would add, you know, we're, we're real people and we are doing this. Um, and if anyone hears anything they're interested in, I mean, just look us up at Porter Valley Ranch and send an email or um, just send a message through one of our socials. Like we're happy to have conversations with people and super easy to get a hold of us. Well, thank you so much for taking a moment out of your day to do this interview with us. I know that you guys are just being such a positive light in what you guys are working on and accomplishing, so keep it up. Well, thank you so much for asking us. We, I've been watching you guys, and I, I love all the things that you do, and I definitely think um, you guys have so many plates spinning that like that's something that we admire and we know, and it does take your family effort to make it all happen to you. I like how your parents work with you, and you guys have the kids out there, and so... Welcome to Oklahoma. Hopefully we can get together sometime. Thank you. Yes, we would love to. Well, thank you so much for everybody for taking a listen to Rachel and Josh's podcast with us today. I um, hope you are able to go ahead and take a look at their account and give them a little shout out love. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week.